the diamond, I realized the Amphitheatre Museum presents Mail and My Shoes. So these shoes are a sort of, how do you describe this? Not quite a moccasin. They've got, I think it's suede material on it. Uh, sort of cream, sort of suede shoe. No laces. Very casual. They're from Next. One available in all high streets. Says it's made in Italy here. Size 11. Big feet. So I imagine these belong to a guy. They've been quite scuffed at the bottom, so they've had they've had a good innings. These shoes belong to Gary Mansfield. This is his story. My name's Gary Mansfield, I'm 47 years of age. I can remember the first time I was arrested. I was 13 and we went over to the junior. It was on a Saturday or at least school was shut. So it may have even been during holidays. But me and two of my friends, we were just over the, over the school field, just kicking a ball about. The ball went up on the school roof. So one of them's climbed up there and said that the skylight was broken. So we've also climbed up there. So there's three of us. We've seen the skylight, we've pulled it open, but one of my friends climbed down. And then the other one climbed down. Then I said, the caretaker's coming. So directly underneath the skylight was the cloakrooms. So they've sort of climbed up onto the coat hooks and I've pulled them out. We've jumped down. Yeah, run off, we didn't do any damage. We weren't sort of mis you know, mischievous in that way. Got outside. The caretaker called the police. They put us in the car. The, the local cop come around and we was all panicking a bit. And he said, like, we're getting arrested. I said, but we only went up there to get a ball. And it was already, the skylight was already broken off of off kilter. So we just opened it up. Yeah, they tried to do us for burglary, like burg burgling the school. But that was my first, um, yeah, my first experience of being arrested, going to court. And um, even meeting my dad, actually. Because my mum was so upset when, when she found out I got arrested, she contacted my dad, who she was sort of... I'd only see him once every couple of years. He'd, you know, I'd see him in passing if I happened to be in the house when he popped up. And my dad was... Uh, he was sort of like a, on the fringes of you know, criminality himself anyway. She got him to take me to court. He, he sort of played up a bit in court. He was quite impressive in court, actually. I, I didn't have a solicitor. He represented me. So, I mean, we all got um, found not guilty. Yeah, I was quite impressed. He was like, putting up good arguments and having pretty much an argument with a judge anyway. Yeah, looked up to him for the wrong reasons, really, that you should look up to your dad for. Sort of went off the rails after that, sort of trying to, I was, you know, I figured out it was something in my genes, you know, like coming down the family tree, you know, I was just sort of, I figured out maybe I was born that way or destined to be like it. But um, I think that was probably the, the changing point from being a mischievous lad 
to going down the criminal line. I'm not blaming him. It's, you know, it's my, I had all these decisions. I just took the wrong one and uh, rolled with it from there. And it sort of rolled downhill, really. I got into fake clothing, um, selling fake clothing. At the time, it was like Lacoste and Pringle and you know, all them sort of clothes were coming in. And one of these guys, he was, as far as I knew at the time, he was having the labels made up. And one time he asked me if I'd go and drop a load of these labels off to his guys in Birmingham. So I've met him in a service cafe, picked up the bags off, off of his mate, like two old alls. But then as I'm putting them into my car and just getting into my car, I've seen this Vauxhall car being chased by a police van. All of a sudden, the, the car's come to a standstill and the van as well. So I've, I'm in mine, I've already started the engine and I've looked round expecting to see a couple of scallywags sort of jump out of the car to get chased by the police. And there was this blonde woman and she just come running towards me with, with these armed police behind her. And she's shouting something at me and then she's pulled something out the inside of her coat and I didn't know what was going on. She's gone to open the door and then I've seen that she's got a warrant card in her hand. And she's shouting and screaming at me, but it was like, although there was a lot of shouting and screaming, like the cop with a gun, cop with a gun, cop with a gun. Cop with a gun. It had gone quite silent in, in my head and everything was in sort of slow motion. And they've, they've, they've like arrested me. You know, I figured out, you know, I'd just been nicked with, you know, maybe a couple of three, four, five hundred pounds worth of these dodgy labels. And when we got there to the local police station in Essex, the, she said I was being charged with being knowingly concerned with the importation of diamorphine. And I had no idea what diamorphine, I even asked her there and then, the first words I said to her, you know, what's diamorphine? And then she said, heroin. Then it, it ended up going to court and I just stood up in the dock and I told them I had no idea it was drugs. And I put all my faith into the system. After several hours of deliberation, the, the jury come back and uh, found me guilty and couple of weeks later I went back to court um, to be sentenced and I knew that the, the absolute minimum I could get was 14 years and that's what I got and ended up going to a category B prison which was very violent you know alarms going off every day stabbings at least once a week it was yeah, it was god awful place um, and then you start becoming hard to what's happening around you you know someone's saying that they're going to go and cut someone and you say, why? And they say, oh, because he's, you know, he sort of bad-mouthed me. And you sort of justify it. And, you know, I was getting involved in the violence myself. I was having fights and I was constantly thinking about these guys who had stitched me up. I'd, I'd not heard anything from them since. I was just thinking how I can get some sort of revenge, how I can find out where they are. All sorts of stuff was going through in my head, sort of some some quite psychotic stuff, and it's crazy. And it wasn't until about a year year into that that I just sort of looked at myself, and I didn't like the person that I saw. You know, I could I could see the the bad parts of me, and I just wanted to make myself a sort of better person. And it was all it was all down to the experience of coming into art.
find out it was 1995, computers were just coming around. So I wanted to learn how to use a computer. I didn't know how to type, I didn't know where the keys were on it. But because they run courses, which were six months, a year or whatever, one was still a few months away. So in the meantime, just to get into the education department, I joined the art class. Once I got into the, to art, it was it was just a, some other way of channeling me anger and frustration. Although it was, you know, I wasn't doing any drawings of of you know sort of crazy stuff, you know, painting in black all the time or anything like that. It was just some other somewhere else to channel what was going on in my mind and or even forget what was going on in my mind. And then I remember just sitting there and thinking that I'd fallen in love with art. But these guys who put me in prison constantly pop into my mind. And then in the end, I'm thinking, well, they're getting in the way of me progressing my life. Like my past is holding me back from going forward. So I set myself a goal that I would give everything on this art course, I'd give everything I could. And if I got a distinction in that, I will go and try and get a degree, get a university, you know, just go for it with art. And I absolutely, you know, knocked it out of the park. And I said, that's it. I become sort of, <laughs> I become sort of a preacher for the art. You know, I'd, I'd be sort of trying to get people in into art as well, like a sort of born again artist, you know. I'd be telling them about Matisse and, you know, why he used the colours he did and why he done this and why he done... And then I'd do drawings and get them involved with drawings. Or they'd ask me to do a painting for their kids, even if it was a Disney painting. I'd say to them, well, I'll draw it, but you paint it with me. And then they'll sit there in my cell. I'll have, like, some broken-nosed, airy-arse arm robber sitting in there painting a Disney picture, turning around going, this is really nice, really comfortable doing this, isn't it? And he'd be talking to me and asking me questions about art. Whereas before, you couldn't look him in the eye without him wanting to stab you in the face because he's a complete lunatic. I've got him sitting there painting Dumbo paintings, you know, asking me questions about different artists. It was just making him think something different. I've got a boy just starting senior school and a girl in the second year of junior school. I've just been so scared that especially my boy could end up like I was, that I've been overly strict on him. And I just started telling him, luckily, my little boy, he was he was playing with some lads out in the street where we used to live. The other two lads got in trouble, uh, were climbing over into gardens, and someone said, I'm going to call the police. My boy, he didn't climb the garden. He's a completely different person to what I was. He That shit the life out of him. He came upstairs, he said, oh, they're going to call the police. And it, it, it was just completely opposite to what I was at that age. I said, like, not everyone is nice. There are some bad people out there. I said, well, like, I met some bad people once and they told the police bad thing about me. And my boy said, did they put you in the police car? I said, yeah, they put me in the police car, but they also put me in prison for a long time because they didn't believe that I didn't know what it was. I said, and that's the trouble. If you mix with bad people, bad things could happen. And I'm hoping that just that sentence alone would resonate with him. I can't say it won't happen to them, but I'm doing everything in my power for that not to happen. I'm lucky enough that I've got a, you know, a great partner and, and our children 
They've got a very good outlook. They're very kind. They're very caring for other people. They're very good kids. I will look at people now and everyone has got a story. Everyone's got a little something inside them and we all do things for a reason. Because I changed so much as a person, when I meet my old friends, who are criminals, you know, a lot of them are still active criminals, they can't believe that I'm the same person. It's as bad sometimes telling old friends that I'm an artist as it is telling new people that I've met that I used to be a con. Because either way, I've got to justify why I've done it and how I got to where I am now no matter who it is and I've just found since that I don't need to justify it I've just changed Gary's story was produced by Rob Eagle his shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next. 